I think building trust within a marriage is always a difficult task, let alone after a betrayal. Hmm. Um, I think we're constantly in this mode of building trust. But after bombs are dropped and there's metaphorical carnage everywhere, how do we Hmm. begin picking up those pieces? Or how do we, if we're coming alongside believers that are walking through this, how do we love them Hmm. correctly? Not... And remain advocates, right, for yeah. their marriage. Betrayal is a uniquely hurtful place to be in feeling betrayed, right? It's one thing to be sinned against. Mm. Betrayal is truly like somebody you've entrusted your heart with. Mm-hmm. So I've entrusted my heart to, into your hands. And love would, would, you know, First Corinthians love, biblical love, would tell us that love hopes all things, desires all, basically good for the other. Mm. And betrayal is a, is a complete, um, the opposite of that. Basically, I'm choosing my good over your that, good. Yeah. I'm breaking that trust, that friendship. I'm so so much brokenness is to be so had much. in this area. So, anyway, th- this conversation that we're hoping to have today is hopefully will be nuanced enough, filled with hope, but also connected to reality and the reality of how hard betrayal can be and how how visceral it feels. But knowing that we have a faithful God who himself knows betrayal Mm. and can show us by his grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the path out of the bondage of betrayal, of Mm. feeling betrayed, right? It doesn't mean that you gloss over things, but there is a path to healing. And at least we hope to set your foot on that path today. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. Whenever we talk about, think about, or address betrayal, especially in the marriage space, I think about standing on the side of the road after our particularly violent crash. Right. If anyone, if you've ever been in a car crash, you know there's this moment, whether it's a small one or a catastrophic wreck. There's this moment. If by God's grace, if you're conscious, uh, you're you're in shock. Mm. You're wondering what what do we even do? There's no authorities there. There's no the ambulance hasn't arrived. The fire truck has not arrived. The police haven't arrived to help navigate traffic. It's just it's complete chaos. Right. And so betrayal feels that way in mm. marriage, especially after you feel the initial effects of the betrayal. It's like, it's as if you're standing on the side of the road Mm -hmm. and you're bleeding and there's death and there's injury and there's, and it's, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so what we hope today to do is to, is to shine the light on maybe ways that, how do we progress out of that place? How do we get begin progressing, begin progressing, not in the mean of not what we don't mean by that is just how do you just get over it? Right. Mm. Cause there is a progression and we see it in the Bible. There's a progression for handling betrayal and it doesn't mean mm. dismissing pain. It doesn't mean dismissing the hurt or the sin. And that, that is not, that's how we begin the process. That's how we, so I guess beginning it is recognizing it yeah. and acknowledging it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first step. Um, and so is recognizing, wow, this, this tragic event has happened. Right. I've been betrayed. Right. And, and kind of snapping out of that shock and again, not to gloss over it, but, but out of that moment of shock saying this bad thing has happened. Okay. I'm bleeding. I need to get to a place of safety. I need to start getting help. So I need mm-hmm. to call for help. 
So um, I hope you see the, the, the merit of that analogy <laughs> as we go through this and that what does that help look like in a, in a betrayal in marriage? How do mm. we call? Who do we call? Uh, what does a place of safety look like? What does healing look like um, as we uh, recover from this? So anyway, um, by the way, next uh, this Thursday of this week, we're going to be releasing an episode that's all about recovering from an affair. Um, it's an author, uh, a woman. Her name is Tina Conkin. We're going to release that episode. Uh, it's a wonderful testimony of God's grace. Um, and I, so if that's where you're at, uh, then just know that there's another resource coming later this week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in that in that vein, uh, those types of interviews and the transcripts that are coming along with it are possible because of our amazing patrons that have chosen to lock arms with us to support this podcast, to, to, to support the Fierce Marriage, Frederick's Fierce Parenting, which is ramping up to support all that. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a part of that, there we would love to lock arms with you. We just ask two things, that you pray about it. If you if you pray and God uh, leads you and your spouse to engage in that way, then we would just ask that you, ask that you act on it. You can go to patreon.com slash fierce marriage. That's P P excuse me. That's P A T R E O N dot com slash fierce marriage. There are books and rings and other goodies to be had. Good things. Good <laughs> books, rings, and good things uh, to be had. Um, so yeah, just pray about that. If you have any questions, you can go to fierce marriage.com slash podcast and you can ask your questions there. You can call or text this number at 971 1120 Finally, if you haven't, please do leave a review on iTunes and a rating. That means the world to us. It helps us, helps get the word out. Leave a rating and review on iTunes. Okay. So the roadmap for today, Ryan touched on it just a bit. Um, Last week we talked about manipulation, what it is in marriage, how it damages our covenantal relationship, um, it's lying, it's deceitfulness. Uh, in order to kind of gain some control or further like a selfish agenda. We talked about how we can respond and should respond as believers. And Matthew ten sixteen talks about being true to snakes, not being taken advantage of and innocent as doves. So not manipulating others or speaking falsely uh, hmm. to your neighbor. So out of that conversation, we wanted to talk about how to rebuild trust because often manipulation and deceit uh, goes hand in hand or undergirds this whole yeah. idea of betrayal, right? That's, yeah. that, that is ab- obvious. Manipulation is happening uh, if betrayal is happening. So they kind of go mm-hmm. hand in hand. Um, so we are going to talk about how to rebuild trust after uh, betrayal. And that could be infidelity or an affair or a secret addiction, um, mm-hmm. which is lying. And there's a lot of deceit again there. Uh, some causes of betrayal, walk through scripture, some uh, some scholarly articles that we found from people who are smarter, more experienced than us. Um, and through all of that, we're probably going to interweave some of our own experience walking alongside others um, and supporting friends mm. uh, as they, they were picking up the pieces and walking through this whole process of... Yeah. A, a car wreck, the betrayal, right? So where mm. do we begin? You know, and again, our caveat here um, is that we're not counselors or pastors yet. <laughs> As always, we would encourage and advise you to seek out your pastors and counselors, Christian Bible-believing people. If you're experiencing betrayal or infidelity or adultery, or if you know someone who is um, and you don't know how to support them, encourage them to go mm. to those people in authority uh, spiritual authority and can um, offer instruction in that area and counsel. Um, yeah, so then we'll give you some tangible resources, some pl- places to start, supplemental resources. Uh, again, keyword supplemental. But you know, w- you know where we like to he- to point you to is always the Bible. So, yeah. 
anyways, getting on with our conversation here, um, we wanted to, again, recognize the fact that betrayal and pain, uh, the pain that betrayal causes, excuse me, is is deep. Um, mm. I mean, when we were doing research, there are entire online courses, face-to-face courses, books, counselors who make their living dealing with this specific area. So we can't underestimate the damage of it. And as believers, though, we can place our hope in Jesus in this process, remembering that he is the author and finisher of our faith and that we can trust him, um, that he, we're going to get to it in just a minute, <laughs> of how God uh, is the betrayed, right, in, in the whole yeah. overarching themes of scripture. Um, so yeah. we don't want to underestimate it. We want to walk through what... Um, hope looks like, what pain looks like. We want to give you, you know, just some hook on points where you're like, yes, I understand this or, oh, wow, I never thought about this and how people are dealing with it. So yeah, um, you when we were talking, you were talking about intentional, so distinguishing betrayal. So right. there's intentional versus just being a sinner. And yeah. I was very yeah. So interested in that. As we look at uh, some of the causes of betrayal or feelings of betrayal, what causes a spouse to feel betrayed or to be betrayed, right? And obviously the first thing that comes to mind is there is an affair, whether it's a physical affair, emotional affair, or both. Um, That obviously the broken covenant will lead you to feeling a sense of betrayal because you've been betrayed. Now, one of the things that we read as we were studying for this is there is kind of a difference between intentional betrayal and we see biblical examples of that judas is a very clear example of intentional betrayal uh with david i think in psalm was it psalm 55 Mm -hmm. where he talks about uh, we'll talk about this further where he's been betrayed by a close friend and he's felt pain as a reason that was a a, a intentional betrayal Mm -hmm. and then there's the sense of betrayal in in that you're just kind of uh, a sinner Right. And so someone has betrayed my trust because kind of their of a, sin. Kind of a sinner. Sorry. <laughs> because you <Yeah>. are a sinner. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the example that comes to mind is, you know, some sort of addiction or habit that is against, that is sinful that would cause a spouse to feel betrayed. Now, pornography is a very clear version of that and that you haven't gone and committed adultery. Now, Jesus says if you if you have lust in your heart, then you're committing adultery. So I don't mean to mince words there, but things like, okay, so if you had like an alcohol addiction or I feel betrayed because of your alcohol addiction and that you have, we've talked about this and you have have fallen back off the wagon type of thing or drugs Mm. or or, um, gambling is another big one. So you can feel betrayed, um, not necessarily directly betrayed, mm. right? Okay. And so there's that kind of intentional, unintentional, direct and indirect versions of betrayal. Now, they're all betrayal, and I think we can look at them through a similar lens. And as we talk through the different ver- the various points in Scripture, then... Um, then that'll become more clear. You do have a, a list here that I want. I don't want to gloss over. Yeah, so. and you, we've mentioned kind of a few of the causes, you know, trying to define this bro- broken trust or betrayal. We talked about affair and infidelity, um, confession of a secret addi- addiction, um, lying. Uh, we discovered that there is some, fi- quote-unquote, financial infidelity that people deal with. Um, yeah. Spending without sharing, you know, and then motivations... Another, I think, line to see is not being clear or pure in your motivations um, Mm. or honest with your spouse of why you're doing something or why you want your family to do something. Mm. Um, And just from our own experience, I think, you know, family of origin can play a role. 
uh, for betrayal happening. We're not saying that because of your family of origin, you will experience these things. We are saying that it it does have a, a, a role that it plays, I guess. There's a little bit of mm, yeah. uh, just brokenness there that we can we can't overlook, I guess, mm. but we also can't give it too much power in, in a sense of saying, well, because I experienced this as a child or this as a yeah. young person, then these things will probably happen. No, we, we have a, we trust in the Lord. We walk, you know, in wisdom. Uh, well, we believe in the redemptive power of the gospel to not, to, to, to break those sin cycles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean the consequences magically go away. It just means that we're not, uh, we are not bound to yes. com- recommitting the same generational sin. Um, I, I like this word picture as we talk through again, betrayal, there's, uh, again, we use the, uh, the car wreck analogy. I think another maybe less violent version of betrayal, uh, is I, I picture a chair, right? When you sit in a chair, you say, this is a chair. It's got four legs. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to sit in it. And then this happens in, in marriages where the spouse changes or there's something, um, they just kind of over the years, they become a different person in hmm. a sense. In that you marry one version of this person, and mm-hmm. now you're five years in, and you're realizing maybe they didn't disclose everything. Maybe they've uh, they've dealt far more with things like depression or addiction, and never realized mm-hmm. that before you married them. So you're sitting in this chair, and all of a sudden the chair is is no longer supporting you. In other words, you fall to the ground. So that chair has betrayed your trust. In that this th- what you thought was a chair you signed up for as sitting on a chair <laughs> now is no longer a sitable object, and so and. Uh, to break away from the analogy, that's the spouse that you married. You signed up to to be married to a certain person. <clears throat> now that you're in this covenant, you're realizing that maybe you were ba- baited and switched on. You feel like you're baited you and feel switched, that way. maybe, and that's and, not yeah. the truth, right? The right. truth is that we are two broken sinners coming together. And by God's grace and design for covenant, we are walking out what it means to f- extend and experience forgiveness and grace learning Mm. what it means to love each other no matter what the emotions that might be at play right um Mm. so yes i think that is very prevalent so let's 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 (laughs) what we're talking about so let's talk specifically about adultery yes we were i was of course reading gotquestions.org and he he found another new resource that we'll talk about in a sec um from them but we want to just be clear that um and we'll use this quote that adultery is wrong. Hebrews 13, four says God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Uh, the injured party should rest in the truth that God is the avenger. The wronged individual does not need to fret over getting even. God will do a much better job of avenging us. When we are betrayed, we need to commit the pain to the one who knows every detail and mm-hmm. will deal with it appropriately. So talking about knowing the detail of betrayal, right? And when you were talking about intentional versus sort of unintentional, I guess, we don't always understand why our spouse does something, but the Lord does, right? And the hope that we have in that, and I'm not trying to like give the lead away though, is is that is Romans 8.28 of in all things, right? God works for the good of those who love him in all things in brokenness in sin god can work i think he's most at work right in my weakness like god is strong that's the theme of the bible and so when we see brokenness when we experience brokenness um, and betrayal yes we should i was yes we should experience the the hurt and the pain and and those feelings and emotions that go with it but we also can live and cling to the hope 
that Christ has given us. And there was a whole podcast I was listening to, uh, Lifeways, come out with it. Uh, what is it called with the Jackie L. Perry, like uh, Kruger, and someone else? <laughs> Let's Talk. I think it's called Let's Talk. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> it's okay. blanking out. And they were talking about how do we deal with pain now, but also rejoicing in the hope that we have. I mean, Christ, you know, he was, Jesus was sad when Lazarus died, but he also rejoiced like when people were healed or that, you know, it was just, how do you experience those two things at one time, you know? Sorry to jump in. Yeah. We tend to think when someone says, hey, like, look to Christ, stand on the hope you have in him. That's not a mutually exclusive thing to feeling the pain that you're in. Right. Right. It's, means- it's, it's a call from within that place of pain to say, look at your hope, look at the future hope you have mm-hmm. in Christ, stand where you are, feel the pain, but know, but know mm-hmm. that your hope is greater. Know that Christ will get you through it either in this life or the next. Mm-hmm. That's clinging to hope. And so I just, I, we don't want you to feel, to hear this and say, oh, here they go again with just the gospel magic bullet for everything. Mm-hmm. It is, in a sense, a magic bullet because it doesn't forsake the reality you're living, but it gives you a greater hope outside of that reality. That is the that is the Christian life. Mm-hmm. That's the Christian worldview, that our hope is not here and now. It's there and then. It's already, but not yet. The, the, the price has been paid, but I have yet to fully live in that freedom because so I live in a sinful state. We live in a sinful uh nature. We live in a sinful society. You know, we don't live in that time when Christ is yet back and reigning. The promise. We don't live in the fruition of the full promise yet. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I just want to be clear that there's, they're not mutually exclusive, that you can feel pain. We see an example of that. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe we just should read it now. Yeah, go into scripture. Is is Psalm 50. Um, Do you have that pulled up? Well, I want to, before we go into that, because that's just. Okay just running over the whole rundown here. I know, but I just, <laughs> I feel like that sets a, a stage for us to begin the rest of this conversation, but we can, we can continue on the, the Well, original. I think it helps bring, co- uh, like, just some con- context. Context. Thank you. you. I'm like, Boom. con, con, con. All, some context <laughs> and some images to understand, like, in scripture, there is tons of betrayal. Right. Beginning Genesis 3, but we'll not start there. We're actually, Joseph, and when he was betrayed by his brothers, there was a betrayal driven by jealousy. We see Jesus and Judas that you mentioned. What happened with Joseph real quick? He was the favorite of his, of his father. His father gave them him this technicolor coat. Also. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All the brothers looked on him and thought, oh, look at him. Jealous. He's the favorite. And so right. they basically sold him in, in, into slavery and told the father that he had been eaten by a lion. Mm-hmm. And so that's obviously betrayal. I just don't want to assume listeners know Sorry. that story. Yep. Um, Jesus and Judas. Yes. I, I want to read from, from that passage from mm-hmm. uh, Matthew 26. It's just, it's heartbreaking. All right. Imagine this. Okay. Jesus is spending his le- later years in ministry, three years-ish. Uh, and he's going about, he's got these disciples. He's spent day and night with these men. And this is toward the end of his ministry when yeah. he's getting crucified. In Matthew, uh, Matthew 26, verse 1, it says, Jesus, when f- had finished all these things, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and to kill him. Okay, by stealth. Okay, that's a sneakiness. Okay, then you go down a few verses, and Judas to betray Jesus is the headline. I mean, mm-hmm. Judas was a disciple, a brother, a close. Think of your closest friend. I can't. You're the only person I spend day and night with. Mm-hmm. But think of our closest friends. 
And now that person is completely 180'd on you. And where you thought that friend was for you, that friend was was uh, ready to die for you. Ready to die for you. But now they are not only betraying you, but betraying you for money. Well, but I think that speaks to the person of Judas, too, and the desires that... Because wasn't he like the accountant of kind of the disciple That's what... Yeah, I've read, that, I've read that. Yeah. It, so here's the verses. It's uh, And that's a good point. Matthew 26, 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said... What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they and they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him, mm. him being Christ. Mm. And so now, now it's this premeditated thing. Can you imagine if you found out that your best friend, I want that to sink in because we can gloss over that, premeditated this opportunity to betray you for a sum of money. Hmm. Okay, so Jesus himself or the biggest, was clearly one betrayed. of the bigger desires of your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Something that you just, it's hard to resist. It's hard to ignore. It's hard to put away. It's hard to, quote unquote, get over maybe. Mm-hmm. And you have this chance to, I guess it just, part of it speaks to not understanding and really knowing. Did he really know? We shouldn't talk about Jesus. That's a whole can of worms, but... Right, and in terms of the sovereignty of God. Right, right, right. right. Uh, But this whole chapter of Matthew is almost like a betrayal and chapter right oh, yeah, it's there's got, peter's denial there's judas and then there's the in the in the garden uh when judas gives him the kiss of death so to speak mm-hmm. and he uh, identifies him betrayed with the kiss is, mm-hmm. uh, is the phrase and so he was betrayed there so it was very up in your face literally i'm identifying you through this act of affection mm. so that you can be crucified all right and so there's a lot of that. There's, I mean, think about the parallels in marriage, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to lie to your face. I'm going to sleep in the same bed as you, mm. all the while having an affair, an emotional affair, a physical mm. affair, all the while entertaining complete, complete Somewhere lust else, yeah. online. I'm thinking pornography or all the while living this lie. I'm still going to kiss you goodnight. I love you. Mm. I'm going to say I love you. I'm going to kiss you goodnight. And we're going to act like everything's okay. Okay, so then all of a sudden the script shifts. It, it completely flips, mm-hmm. and now you, you're betrayed. And then you mentioned Peter, who had been betrayed. Also in Matthew 26. Also yeah. in Matthew 26, and that betrayal was different. Sorry, Peter hadn't been betrayed. Peter betrayed Christ. Jesus foretold it and said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, there's no way I'm going to do that. Denial and betrayal. I want to. I think we need to unpack the difference right. there. Well, a denial is a form of betrayal, and okay. I I have said that I will die. I will die basically for you. She did say, I think, a few verses ahead. Yeah, or before, and then and then, of course, later on in verse sixty nine. Uh, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and the servant girl came up to him and said, "Hey, you were also with Jesus the Galilean." Now this is after Jesus had been taken away and was basically he was uh, now he was kind of a um, he was a hot topic, I'll say, mm. in that. Everybody was kind of watching how this unfolded. But he said, and then Peter at verse 70, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. And, and he went out from there at the entrance. Another servant asked. So three times hmm. he, bet- he betrays Christ in this way. Now, that's the, that's the distinction for what it's worth. Judas's betrayal was premeditated. Jesus's or Peter's betrayal was more out of a fear and a hmm. sinful nature. Mm-hmm. And that it was, it was not as nefarious. Mm-hmm. But it was still a betrayal. Yeah. So, no, it's interesting. Honestly, it's really interesting to look at the motivations behind betrayal because I think that, you know, when we talked about last week about manipulation and how that is lying and deceit mm. and how we can so 
easily just slip into that. And nobody can even really see it sometimes or call us right. on it. That's except really good. the Lord, yeah. right? Like And we, our sin nature is driving that ship, so to speak, because I just want to be right. I just want to whatever, get what I want. Right. And so I'm gonna manipulate to you, which is a sin is is lying, as we talked about. Absolutely. There's no mincing words there. Right. So I'm lying to you, trying to get what I want, but it's not necessarily the same. And it's, like well, and a, it's interesting. It is interesting, though, when in Matthew 27, when Judas hangs himself, I was just reading ahead a little bit about how he changed his mind once he knew Jesus was condemned. It's like we want we want mm. the, the fulfillment, but we don't want to deal with the condemnation afterwards. Right. We don't want to deal with the fallout, the brokenness afterwards. Like I want to have an emotional affair, but I don't want my spouse to find out because I I don't want I don't want to hurt them. or I don't want to deal with them. But I need you know, we, we start. He obviously went into it believing a lie that he could mm. have his cake and eat it too in some ways. And that yeah. fallout is something that I think we obviously you underestimate if you are betraying someone. Um, I uh, think the enemy yeah. highlights obviously the cake, right? And not, not the, yeah, the fruit. He highlights the fruit, right? Like in Genesis 3. Well, in this verse, so Matthew 27 3, it does speak a little bit to. Judas's perspective of Christ, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. if he knew Jesus, he would have known that That's he, I, he yeah. would go back. Yeah, that was what I was saying. Yeah. Instead, and so he he th- said he he had uh, he felt bad basically because he had betrayed innocent blood. Mm. Yeah, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. Really? Did he is not that, know is that, that all? before? Like, right. No, like you've sinned by betraying the Son of God. Yeah. <laughs> so like by yeah making that whatever, and so it they they looked at him and said they they said and this is what you were talking about how the enemy. Kind of what is once it to we us? buy the like, lie, yeah. they it's the bait and switch on that end now. So what is it to us? See to, see to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed. And instead of going to, and and repenting of his sin mm. and seeking solace in Christ, you know, see, visiting him wherever he was being held, if he could, I don't know. Um, and instead of that, he goes and hangs himself. So there's this larger. I, I don't know. We, we can't really go down that rabbit hole, but I'm just interested in that person of Judas and so betrayal because that's again. the most I think outright betrayal that we see with jesus yeah right as when he walked the earth yeah um you wanted to talk we i wanted you to talk about let me rephrase this if that's okay i would i would like you to talk about before we talk about david in psalm 55 because that really lays out the next section that we're going to talk about um (laughs) lots of talking talking about how god is the betrayed Mm, yeah because this is where i think it can elicit empathy we can we uh, empathy can be elicited in our hearts if we are the one that is suffering from the betrayal, right? Like yeah. we feel we might feel you might feel some aven- like you need to avenge this, you need to um make this right or you need to, you know, get yours because they got theirs or something and um so can you talk about how God is the betrayed throughout scripture? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and maybe this is talking with David in Psalm 55. This is where we kind of talked about that, right? We, Yeah. So we we like to talk about when it comes to forgiveness, we talk through Matthew 18, right? Mm-hmm. The parable of the unforgiving servant and the power in that parable for me anyway. And I think it's what it's what, for all of us to be had in scripture, right? Is that the identification that we are in, in debt mm. and that we need forgiveness and the power, the bigness of the gospel is directly proportionate to the sense that we have that we are in need of mm. it. Okay, mm. so we the bigger the more holy we see God, is it's it's a high high unreachable bar 
right? His perfection is unreachable by us. Mm. The more, um, the more clearly we see our own sin creates, meaning that we have fallen short, not just by a little bit, but by a lot. We've fallen short of ways that we can never, in ways we can never attain both in nature and both in act in Mm -hmm. attitude, nature and act. We have sinned against the God of creation. So if we see God for who he is, we see ourselves for who we are, this creates this massive disparity, this massive gap that is insurmountable. People always say, like, if you tried to jump across the Grand Canyon, mm. right, you're the best world, world-class world Olympic gold medalist long jumper mm. could get, you know, I don't know what the long jump record is these days, <laughs> but we'll say 20 feet. I get 20 feet across the Grand Canyon. <laughs> like, you are the best in the world. The Grand Canyon's miles and miles across. Yeah. So no matter how how good you are, you're going to fall away. Now, the reason I say that is because if we look back into the garden, we see, okay, again, God has created this perfect place, this creation. He It's complete holiness, complete perfection. He, order, he looks purpose. at its order. Per, yeah. perf- he says, it is good on multiple occasions. And then he looks to man and says, it's not good. You're alone. So then he creates a female to accompany the uh, man. And it's this it's beautiful not good. picture. You're alone. Sorry. It's not good. So that's the only imperfect part so far. So he fixes it. Right. He says, now it's, now it's perfect. Now it's good in that you have husband and wife and you're together and you'll become one flesh. That beautiful uh, union that happens in the first marriage in the garden. Mm. And then... And then Genesis 3, the fall happened. So they betrayed him. Mm. Okay, so he he says, do everything you want. Do anything you want. I love you. You are you are my creation. You are good. You reflect my own image. And, and, and that is good. Now, do anything but don't eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they go and they, and they mm. eat. So the betrayal there, we tend to go into the garden and say, how, what's the dynamic happening between husband and wife? What's the dynamic happening between the man and the woman mm-hmm. and the serpent? Now, but really in the garden, the if we can call, we can't really call God. I don't think God's a victim in the sense, but he was betrayed. And so when we, when we have we that, betrayed we him. betrayed God. Yes. And so when we have this view that God is the betrayed and that when I receive forgiveness from him, it is forgiveness for my sin. Right. It is forgiveness for my active, complicit betrayal and mm. complete refusal and rejection of his holiness. When I accept that big, hard pill to swallow then I can receive grace. And I realize that I have grace in Christ, mm. that that God has paid the price for my sin. That is the foundation of the gospel. So when we see God as the betrayed and we are the betrayers, then this kind of puts everything on a moral, uh, even ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, once we see ourselves rightly before God, again, this is Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant, that we are the, unfor- we are the servant who has been forgiven our debt. How can we hold each other's debt against them. It doesn't mean we don't feel pain. It doesn't mean we don't want reconciliation of that wrong that has happened, right? Right. The debt still needs to be paid in a sense, but in a moral sense, I can't look at you with disgust, with disdain, with unforgiveness as the unforgiving servant did. I can't go to you and hold it over your head. It doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean that I just gloss over it. Well, and forgiveness is not forgetting, right? That's a whole... I mean, people write books on that. (laughs) Yeah. There's a whole part of it that understands what the the beautiful gift mm-hmm. that forgiveness is right in that sense yeah so i want to look at psalm uh, 55 let's read that together um and let's and this will give us kind of a roadmap. and i love this this comes from um an amazing resource it's called compellingtruth.org this is actually a re- ministry you didn't realize it, a ministry of got questions which we love those guys do are doing really good work over there definitely check them out if you want to donate i think it's well worth whatever god leads you to donate 
Um, I think we're going to donate. <laughs> we, we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, he's he, he there's an article there called The Pain of Betrayal, or How Can I Heal from the Pain of Betrayal? And, of course, it walks through Judas and Peter, um, a little bit of the mention of the garden in there. Um, but Psalm 55, to me, was the most compelling. It says, uh, let's see, let's start in Psalm, let's start in verse 12, um, Psalm 55, 12. Um, do you have that up or do you want me to read it? I can read it. Okay. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Let's pause there for a minute. So mm-hmm. the first thing we see is clearly David is is feeling betrayed. Mm-hmm. Not just by a friend, again, a brother, a close brother. It says, we have talked and we have walked in the throng. <laughs> uh, it, well, it, within we, God's house. Yes, we've walked. We've taken sweet counsel yes. together. Yes. My companion, my familiar friend. Yes. So, and he, he even makes that distinction. is not an enemy who taunts me. It's one thing to look out and be like, I've been lied to or I've been, someone's been violent toward me. Well, of course, they're my enemy. Right. Right. Of course, we don't share the same conviction about... God's word or what's right, right and wrong. Of right. course, society, in a sense, rejects this truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that will cause damage in, in other ways, but instead to look inside of my very own, my inner circle mm. and somebody, and that's what happens in marriage. And you have somebody right. who's completely uh, damaged that trust. They're that chair. They pull it out from underneath you and now you're, you're injured and you've fallen. And so David is feeling that. So he's feeling the pain. He's feeling the sting of it. He's not trying to gloss over it. But instead, he is acknowledging it. But then he's at a he's at a decision point, and uh, he, he what does he do at mm. that point? Is is I think what we want to focus on. He says again, I'm going to read the first verse uh, before this verse 15. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. For evil is for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. So again, he's again feeling it and in a sense lashing out because he feels betrayed. Mm-hmm. Now the next verse, the pivot. But I call to God. And the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan. And he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. But God will give ear and hum- God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, Selah, because they do not change and do not fear God. Hmm. Um Again, just to go on even further, verse 20, my companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. That's particularly relevant, Mm. talking about marriage. He violated his covenant or his promise or their agreement. Uh, His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. Mm. That's Judas. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. And then he says it again, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. It's interesting that that passage is within those within the context of betrayal, casting yeah. your cares mm. upon the Lord, knowing he cares for you and knowing that. I mean, that wasn't the only place that that scripture is used, but right there, the intentionality of that mm. is very powerful. I think. Again, so he's not minimizing his pain. Mm-hmm. He's, not he's not overlooking or overlooking glossing it. over it. Yep. But then he moves on to the next stage, which is. 
but look to God. But mm. God will redeem the situation. God is still good. God is still sovereign. God is still loving in this. And I can cast my cares on him. That's throwing. It's almost like a reckless throwing of your cares. Now, when you're in the middle of pain, you want justice so bad. You want it to be made right. You feel, if I could only just take, somehow you could just reverse this. Mm. I could be done with it. I could be out of it and I could be finished with it and not feel this pain any longer. Mm-hmm. And David's saying, that's why we cast our cares upon the Lord. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. I think of, uh, is it is it the, the John, Paul, Paul Bunyan? John Bunyan? Who wrote uh, Pilgrim's Progress? I can't remember. <laughs> um, oh, I think it's John. But the main uh, character is he, Christian, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and he has this burden that he carries. He's mm-hmm. like, I can't go because of this heavy burden. Just help me with this. <laughs> and he's saying, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Mm. Okay. D- doesn't say he will fix it. Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> it doesn't say he will take away your pain even. Right. Because that's our call. That's that's I, When you were talking about the car wreck analogy, and you're saying, you know, you're looking at it and all of these things. What are the first things? And I, anytime I remember some sort of painful trauma, my immediate response is, I want it gone. I want it mm. ending. I want it done. Mm. God, please take it away. Take it away. Take it away. And God and his loving kindness and his mercy and trusted sovereignty and goodness says, we're going to walk through this together because I want to sanctify you, because I want you to be made holy, because... Mm. There's reconciliation on the other side of this. There is a, a knowing of me that I want you to experience. And so I want to read this passage from this article. Um, and it's putting the, the words together or putting the concepts together. It says, he created us that we might glorify him and enjoy him. Instead of fellowshipping with him, being God, we sinned against him. Okay, that's the, that's the fall, and he had redeemed, and he had to redeem us. That's the entirety of Scripture, <laughs> because God is so easily relates to our pain, relates with our pain. We can pour out our hurt to Him in mm. prayer when the betrayal is deep. It can be helpful to talk with a trusted friend or counselor as well. That's the going to the hospital. That's right. the triage, which, which we'll, we'll get, get into. <laughs> um, be wise to refrain from gossip in doing this. this is again the article mm. from uh, CompellingTruth.org. Um, it. Sorry, and then it goes on. It says the final step in overcoming the pain of betrayal is that of forgiveness. Mm. So again, there's this so. recognizing pain, <laughs> going to God, and then walking through that pain and yeah. seeking to find healing in that. But then eventually we get around to forgiveness. Yeah, because there's a long distance, a long journey between the car wreck, the bloody, just everything happening to getting to recovery and learning how to mm. forgive and how to move on. So... Just a quick recap here. You know, we were talking about, we're talking here about betrayal. We can't underestimate it. We have to understand what it is and define it, um, what the causes are, that it's mm. wrong. As believers, we're not called to be to betray others, especially our spouse. Um, we have walked through a few uh, examples, uh, Christ being <laughs> the primary one, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and how, and also how God was betrayed. And now we're going to kind of get into how do we call for help? How do we respond in that moment, um, whether we are the ones um, sitting there bleeding, bleeding or we are running to the one that is sitting there bleeding, and we are coming around and saying, mm. Let's. So I'm gonna pick you up. So whether you're on the outside, looking in with somebody. So you're you're a, a brother or sister in Christ is going through this, and you're on the outside of it. Like right. you and I have played that role because we have not experienced infidelity by God's grace in our marriage uh, or a betrayal of of large scale. So 
these are this this next section we entitled it a call for help right yeah. bringing people in it's not good for us to be alone bringing people in so if you're imagining this the metaphor of the car wreck right the first thing that you think about aside from like you wanting it to stop is what happened what just mm. happened you're recognizing kind of the reality there's this shock wave you're sitting there and you're like did they just say the words that i think they said of I've I've cheated on you or I've betrayed you in this way or I'm leaving you for with this other person. Right. Or I've been watching this every day for the last five years online right. or right. I've been wasting our savings by gambling it whatever that bomb is that's been dropped. Right. You, you're at the scene of this accident. Right. And you need to recognize the reality right. that is that is that now yeah. what happened or what is happening. You need to call mm. call for help. Right. That's our first first step is calling for help. So what does that look like for a married person? Um, you had met, you had said it earlier is you reaching out to brothers and sisters in Christ, whether, mm -hmm. so if you're in the middle of it, don't like get on the phone and call someone. Mm -hmm. Don't go through it. If, if you're in an accident, again, to use this analogy, if you're on an accident, the first thing you're doing is either using your phone or finding someone who has a phone yeah. Yeah. or trying to get help because you realize immediately that you need help. Right. But so often we don't see the severity of it. If, especially based on your personality, you might just sure. completely internalize it and not start to think, well, it's my fault. Yeah. How did I cause or, this? How did I cause this? Or what can I do to, surely I can just kind of pick up the pieces myself. And we're right. saying, no, like see it for what it is. Right. Don't, don't, don't gloss don't over, gloss minimize. Over. And that's the whole shock piece that you mm -hmm. talked about. Now get on the phone, call someone. Right. And who do we call? We call, well, this is getting to a safe place, which would be the next point of getting out of harm's way. So mm. getting with trusted people, pastors, counselors, Christian mentors, people that you know and trust wholeheartedly a thousand percent with right. every hurt, pain, um, any part of you that has, you are ashamed of or whatever. You just, you run, you run to them. Uh, and find just a safe place for a moment, right? Like maybe it's a physical place, their, the house or somewhere safe. If it's an emotional place with, you know, others, again, yeah. counselors, like a mental uh, or emotional safe place. Um, if there's abuse, physical abuse involved, taking legal action for protection out of a deep love for your spouse, knowing that legal action is pretty much the only likely way forward. Right. Don't, yeah, don't put yourself in harm's, in, in harm's way by not doing so right. as well. Right. Uh, I, I do want to make a quick distinction. Mm -hmm. So again, the analogy, we're in an accident. Somebody's driving the car. In other words, somebody's responsible for this accident, mm -hmm. right? Both of you are going to be injured hmm. in the accident, mm -hmm. even the one responsible for it. Right. And so as you're seeking help, I think in that terrible scenario, um, and many couples have been through this, you guys. I think that's the one helpful thing is to realize that there are lots of people who have been through this and have found reconciliation mm. on the other side of it. So many have been through this. Um, and what I'm trying to say is that you, by God's grace, you would be seeking help together mm -hmm. and that both of you will realize this is catastrophic. Um, right. We're bleeding right now, even the one who's responsible. And he, there, there would be a sense of sorrow and repentance and a sense of I have wronged you. I have sinned against you. I know this is going to take time to rebuild this. Please, let's get help together. Mm -hmm. Let's make those calls together. Let's go to the hospital, so to speak, together um, so that we can both be healed. Um, it's not just a unilateral thing. Right. And I think in our own experience with other couples, you know, we had um, two sets of friends that we knew that um, there had been uh, an affair between them and we knew both parties and we didn't know who to help first. Like, how do we know 
everybody's bleeding <laughs> and was, we're yeah. all trying to love them and take care of them. And we had a, a pastoral friend that was like, you need to deal with the wounded um, kind of first, the wounded sheep. Um, and I'm not right. saying, I'm not trying to undermine what you're saying, but yes, the injury by any doctor will tell you like the injury that needs the most attention is the one you go to first. Right. Yes. And so going to them without abandoning, right. You can go to them without abandoning or condemning the other party. Um, but you can go to them out of love and helpfulness and helping them get out of harm's way. Yep. This um, whole triage piece, triage piece. Right. And yeah. not suffering alone. Right. This is this call for help. We're not called to suffer or hide in isolation. We need to bring we need others to know what we're going through, where we're at. Mm. Um, so calling calling for help, getting out of harm's way um, and then getting into triage. Right. Stopping the bleeding. If you again, if you've ever experienced shock in some sort of traumatic physical ex- mm-hmm. experience you know it's difficult to think clearly and respond in this situation i think that i've i don't know i've fallen off horses and all these things and you think that you're aware of yourself and aware of what's happening around you but people later tell you that you were acting really weird or eerie and you're you weren't yourself and yeah. no matter how much you think that oh you know what it's okay i got this my arm's falling off i'm bleeding from the head but you know what i got this <laughs> Yeah. People around you are like, no, you don't. Like, let me help you. Let me love you. Let me um, stop the help you stop this bleeding, or take you to somebody who can help you stop right. this stop the bleeding that is happening right. uh, because of this betrayal in your marriage. Again, bringing people in church community that will cry with you, they'll sit with you, they'll bring you meals, or take care of your kids. Yeah. Pastors, counselors, them again, that emotional and mental, ha- uh, spiritual uh, health aspect of this. I want to pause on the triage piece just a little bit longer. Uh, so, so often this step is the difference between, um, uh, life and death. Yeah. Right? So if, yeah. if you're not able to stop the bleeding, if you're not able to bring attention to mm. the wound itself mm-hmm. and to, to apply the bandage. Mm. So what does that look like? It's different for every scenario. Mm-hmm. I'm using another analogy. Okay. So I was, uh, I think we were in middle school, so I would have been 13, 14 years old, something, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, we were behind my buddy's house. He lived on kind of this gulch, and there someone had put up a rope swing, and we were all having oh, a blast. No. Over a big, okay. Well, it was, it, it was not safe, but it wasn't like you were going to fall into a ravine, okay. right? So you would probably fall. In fact, my buddy did fall. Uh, he was swinging, and he got... He got a little loosey-goosey with swinging, and he <laughs> fell off. And he had had surgery on one of his knees. Oh, no. And um, this was before swinging. He fell off, and actually he had torn a hole in his knee where the surgery, where the sutures hadn't completely oh. healed. And the su- skin had somehow wrapped inside of the wound. So he's got an exposed bone, and he's there Ooh. screaming his head off, Ooh. just going nuts, uh, panicked. And we're all thinking we're running as hard as we can, trying to find someone, screaming, help, help, help. Well, the first, so it took probably 15 minutes for the medics to get there. They came down, put him on a uh, gurney, got him out of there. Well, before they even put him on the thing, the first thing they did is they put a tourniquet above the knee, Mm. right? Because they needed to stop the bleeding. If they don't stop the bleeding or, and then get a bandage on there, what's going to happen? You're going to either bleed out and die. Mm -hmm. All right. If the wound is severe enough, you'll bleed out and you will die. Or if you don't treat the infection or treat the wound well enough, you mm-hmm. will get infection and you will lose the limb mm-hmm. because you'll you'll get it'll just get too infected and it'll it'll end up poisoning the rest of your body. So I have an example. Remember when you had heart surgery when you were <laughs> twenty years old? <laughs> triage is a little. That's not quite triage. No, though. I know. Was... I'm saying, but I'm saying if you don't get what our whole like spiel is, if you. <laughs> Our spiel. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't deal with the the 
brokenness within the heart, right? The sin, the underlying, the underlying yep. issues. If you're trying to put band-aids on heart um, disease, <laughs> right? It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. <laughs> so, so the point is, is that that triage saved my friend's leg. Mm-hmm. It's potentially saved his life. If they thought, you know what, we'll bandage it later, or we're good. It'll just kind of like, it'll take care of itself. We're just going to leave this gaping wound and we're not going to actually deal with it. Uh, That's going to create issues down the line. So triage is so important. Which is why you need that first step of recognizing the reality of the situation. Because you won't get support. You won't run to triage. You won't go to a safe place if you don't recognize the severity of the situation. Which I think the world would have us. Not the world. I'll just say the enemy. The enemy would would play down everything. The enemy would say, you know what, this really isn't a big deal. Lots of marriages go through it. Just read a couple books. Maybe talk to a counselor for a month. You'll be good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, hey, they, they said they were sorry and they said they're going to work on it, which you want that's to hear good. that. That's but good. that's not enough. Right. Okay. You need to get triage. You need to get outside help. If you don't. Betrayal is a huge a thing, thing in marriage. Yes. It's a big thing and it will continue to, uh, it'll, you'll see the, the shockwaves of it. Yes. For, for many, Years. Many months and years, Possibly, yeah. and hopefully you want to minimize the shockwaves, but you can't do that if you're not addressing what it is, it for what it is. I yes, say. So, absolutely. Okay, so, so after the triage, after the triage, right? We're we're looking at recovery and support. We're we're looking how do we hmm. begin those steps forward of you know of healing. So typically, there's probably some disgust amount of time spent uh, in this safe place or a quote unquote hospital. Right? I'm not just hmm. leaving my marriage because of of this betrayal but there's there's this allotted time that okay there's i just we can't be together for this moment because there's just too much pain there's too much blood metaphorically speaking right we need to i we both need to be in safe places uh with people that are encouraging us towards each other and towards the things of god ultimately yeah um so hospitals are not homes right they serve a purpose for a specific amount of time recovery is going to take time caveat don't rush it also learn how to trust recovery as well which is a whole nother topic of yeah wow getting into recovery but the first i think the first sort of subcategory or what we would say in terms of recovery is again get counsel um, around forgiveness specifically because forgiveness is not forgetting there's a lot of people we hear the word forgiveness and if you've been betrayed that just grates on you right it's it's like you don't how, Mm. how dare you kind of say those things but there, but why does God call us to forgive? Because there's a whole journey of sanctification and holiness that he wants to lovingly walk us through. Again, we're not forgiving in a vacuum either. No. We are the ones who are complicit in yes. the betrayal of Christ yes. and the betrayal of God himself. I mean, all of the Old Testament and the New is basically God continually reaffirming his commitment despite the unfaithfulness of his people, mm. despite it. Yes. So again, not to gloss over it, there's a little bit of blur here, right? So the uh, smear, I will say, across the, the different analogy points. So triage for the for the for someone who maybe has been sexually addicted or uh, has had an adulterous affair, that triage and getting out the gunk, getting out the bacteria could mean going through a years-long recovery course that mm. talks about sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. And gets them through uh, those steps, right? So right. that's cleaning out the cause of this damage that's right. happened. So there is some blur there, but um, okay. So we're talking about recovery and support, counseling. I think biblical counseling, before specifically, we, yes. not just not just somebody who majors in Sigmund Freud, but somebody right. who looks at the Bible and looks at the mind and says, "Here's the here here's how they connect." Right. Right? Recovery and support is, 
it requires consistency. I just want to say that up front because mm-hmm. we are we are adopting new habits and rhythms because of the trauma that has happened, because of the betrayal. There's there's going to be some therapy. I mean, you break a leg, you're going to have to go through physical therapy to regain, right, the use and yeah, regain the strength. So mm-hmm. these are new rhythms, new things that we are going to adopt and we are going to implement with discipline and vigilance by God's mm-hmm. grace. Yep. So counseling, again, around forgiveness, counseling around reconciliation, counseling around understanding, you know, the the motivation, just counseling, Christian counseling, biblical counseling in general. Yeah. Um, the body of Christ engaging, again, in the body of Christ, pastors, community, church members, um, people that we trust within the body of Christ. And your close brothers and sisters. Yes, and that's so, what I meant by community. So uh, the, the, you're ideally church your community. best friends, your best Christian friends, and yeah. hopefully you have those. A lot of couples write in and say, we just can't find good friends who share our worldview. Uh, then start with the organization that is the church, mm-hmm. right? And hopefully you would have a way to meet some people or mm-hmm. just to get help mm-hmm. um, and then begin building friendships, maybe on that basis. Yeah. But the point is, is that you need someone who, who holds the same affection for Christ, the, the same sovereignty. They see God with the same level of authority, God's yeah. word, the same level of authority to actually come alongside you and not just fix it, but just to sit with you right. and just be with you in the pain and to help you kind of see the light even mm-hmm. when you're in complete darkness. Um, and these are not in any particular order. So the, the third one would be God, consistent in daily time with the Lord. I think as a believer, that is that kind of goes without saying, but I still want to say it. Um, reading, being in the word daily, praying and communing with God like David did in Psalm 55, right? I go to God, bring your hurts to God, bring your, I don't understand this to God, bring your, I'm mad and angry with these things, help my heart, Lord. It, it is hardening. I feel it, you know, mm-hmm. all of those the darkness and the sin and the brokenness that you're either the one, you know, again, the betrayer or the betrayed, bring it to God. Yeah. Did you want to say anything else on that one? Cause I was going to go into the, the supplemental um, resources. Yeah. And um, go ahead. Okay. To move on. Yeah. yeah real quick. Yep. That, so again, keywords, supplemental, right? Things that will bring encouragement in the middle of the struggle, books, podcasts, sermons, etc. Um, the key here is, again, they aren't encouraging you to do it on your own, but they're pointing you back to God, back to Scripture, giving you that bigger picture yeah. of holiness, reconciliation, healing, forgiveness within the framework, within the gospel lens, the biblical understanding of what God purposed you know, our marriage for. Because it's so easy to get lost, I think, in the journey and forget the destination, right? Wow, that's really good. That's what I do I, with yeah. a lot of things. But anyways. Um, and there are times in the journey when you can't see it. We always mm, the analogy of right. uh, you're in a valley. You have no perspective when you're in a valley. Right. You're completely surrounded by massive, insurmountable hills. Mm-hmm. And there are times you're in a plateau when that you can kind of see the mountain in the distance. You can see the valley kind of, you mm-hmm. know, it's behind you, but it's kind of mundane. Then there's the mountaintop mm-hmm. where you can see all the beauty and you can totally have the great perspective. The problem is you can't li- survive up there. Mm-hmm. You can't live up there. So if you're in a valley, then knowing that. You're, you're in the valley right. and that there's a pathway out, but it's going to take some work. It's going to take some time right. to get out of there. So and one last, just if you're yeah. in the support role of someone, you know, remember that things are going to take time. Healing will take time. Learning for the person that is that you are walking alongside, that they are they are just broken right now and mm-hmm. bleeding. Remember that it's going to take more time than you think. Mm. Ask lots of questions. Pray with them. Pray for that couple, that friend, that family member. Be patient. And speaking from my own mistakes, don't be prescriptive. Don't give them, oh, you know what? Hey, you're going to get, 
is going to... Have you tried having this conversation? Yeah. Or have you tried yeah. saying this thing? Or yeah. have you tried, you know... In those instances, I have just found that asking questions, even possibly sending encouraging scripture, that can be hard to do as well. But um, just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, praying. It's and, kind of the slow to speak thing yes, as a friend. Slow uh, to speak. Don't can, think you know all the things. Well, and oftentimes they don't, they know the right answer, right. but they're just hurting, right? right? Someone who's had their leg broken knows the leg shouldn't be broken, right. but it hurts. Yes. And then they, it just has to heal so and you can be there. My go-to, if in doubt, ask if you can bring a meal. Just if in doubt, take the tangible route. Give can I food. bring you a meal? <laughs> yeah. Can I give you, can I give you some of my books to read while you're healing? Or I'm just thinking of people who are, that may not apply, but um, can good. I bring you any sort of resource? Can I take your kids? Can I good. get some of these, these tangible burdens off of you right now so that you can, you know, heal? That's good. So we have other resources and podcasts um, to, to, do yeah. as well like out of the dust if you look up on our podcast they have a whole mm-hmm. yeah um, just go to fiercemarriage.com slash podcast search for out of the dust uh um they're they're they have an incredible story mm-hmm. of repairing their marriage after an infidelity tina conkin that will post this week uh there's another one by the, the their names are gen, uh their gen, names are excuse me Stephen and brooke elliott they have there's not infidelity but they had a different type of broken trust it was the whole bait and switch thing Betrayal, yeah. basically um that Stephen had um deeply been depressed and anxiety and all this and these basically caused Brooke to realize she was married to a different man and so there was a time of a separation and then reconciliation which mm. is a beautiful beautiful story mm-hmm. um, yeah and then go to this website if you are in the thick of it or you're just looking for a uh, support network go to marriage or reengage.org or marriagehelp.org I think they both go to reengage.org um, go there um, because they do have some resources that you'll find helpful and how to kind of repair uh, broken trust. Yeah. So kind of our ending encouragement is we have a savior who is more than able to bring healing, wholeness and redemption to any marriage. Mm-hmm. He's also able to work again, all things for the good of those who love him in Romans eight twenty eight. all things, even broken trust, infidelity, That's not just a bad answer. betrayal, it's not, yeah, it's all good. things he can work for the good of those who love him. So trusting him through recovery, trusting him mm. in the triage, in there the bloodiness and the mess, trusting him, leaning on others. Those are the few steps that you can begin to maybe see and take uh, hope with hope. Okay. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your redemptive work um, in Christ. Thank you. Uh, but I also thank you that you are not just leaving us to our own, uh, to fend for ourselves, mm. but you have given us a body of believers to mm. lean into. You've given us your word, Holy Spirit. You've indwelled us. You've given us uh, grace to understand, to read and understand your very words. So I thank you, God, for that. I pray for the couples that are dealing with um, some sort of betrayal, whether it be infidelity or addiction or or otherwise. I pray that you would uh, help them navigate through it in a way that is not just fast, but is healing Mm -hmm. in a way that will bring full health and reconciliation to their marriage. And I pray that on the other side of this, that they would have a stronger, more vibrant marriage by your grace, Mm because it's only by your grace that something, anything like that is possible. So, God, I, I pray for those couples. I pray for the couples who are helping other couples, that you would give them wisdom and discernment and how mm. to help them navigate uh, this wreckage and this um, this problem or this uh, time that they're going through. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, this has been a longer episode, so thank you for hanging in there with us. But uh, we do appreciate you, um, listeners. Um, anyway, 
we're praying for you. Mm-hmm. We love you guys. Well, this is a common topic among many couples. Mm-hmm. So our prayer is that it would be less common and less and less common in mm-hmm. the church that people would, um, would understand and uphold the covenant that is marriage um, as the way God designed it. Um, if you're passionate about that cause, um, you can join arms with us through patreon.com slash fierce marriage. There's benefits, but more than anything, we just would love to um, lock arms with like-minded mm-hmm. uh, people around the country, around the world. And I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Fierce Marriage Podcast. This episode is... In the can. As always, we will see you in seven days for a regular episode. Make sure to join us on Thursday for the interview with Tina Conkin. And uh, we will see you then. Until next time. Stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's a blessing. Take care.